0: Episode 122, Marfan Awareness and Nine Clinics. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're Dr. Christy Boiles Perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards-nominated host as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Well, Dr. Christy has a great personality. Really forgave me for butchering her name. (laughs) It's uh, an Egyptian last name. So she's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Happens all the time. Okay, so you might be asking yourself, Marfan awareness. Well, here it is. She has Marfan syndrome. She didn't know about it. Ended up having a aorta dissection. Okay, and she had nine clinics in her 20s, nine podiatry clinics. That is unbelievable to me. And so we talk about how she was running nine clinics, and then after you have this obviously bad health issue, what do you do now? Who runs these clinics? And then we discuss her change in goals for herself, for her patients, and how important it is that you can learn about a more holistic approach to different things. Now, of course, she's a podiatrist, so she does all that. But, you know, when you deal with a lot of diabetics, they have a lot of foot issues. And so we discuss her, her role with hydration, diet and nutrition, sleep, stress management, and movement. And how she was noticing she was getting a little bit better results than the people in her clinic. And part of it was some of these discussions that she was having because she was just passionate about it. And she kept learning about it. And she was noticing that her patients were really open to it by just talking about it. So she started this Allied Wellness. And we'll talk, discuss that as well. She's a wealth of knowledge. Entertaining hour. And just so you know, at the end of the show today completely revamped the promotions and ads and those types of things. Once again, I hope you've been enjoying the podiatry series. We're smack in the middle of it. If you have any ideas for for future episodes or series, let me know. Please leave a review. Helps us get found more. I want to share with you a couple of the reviews of things that I've heard. Here's one. Nathan Cashin has helped rejuvenate me and restarted my own podcast again. Uh, CT said, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're a great uh, host, a great interviewer, and uh, I, I'm really impressed because the way you're able to weave those questions and also kind of follow up with what I was talking about, I, I thought it, it was really smooth, so I really appreciate that. And let me know what you're thinking about the minisodes. Have you caught any of them? They're about two to six minutes a piece. Real quick, they're episodes that I listen to, and then I just give my summary of them. Real quick, real simple, no long pontificating. Okay, that's enough for me for now. All the show notes can be found in transcripts at adoctorsperspective.net slash 122. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China in Victoria, Australia. Today on the show, we have a lady doctor. And this is fantastic because I just love the diversity. Different country, different gender. And she's breaking down the stereotypes. She's making a difference in the world. And get this. She's the founder of Allied Wellness. She's the director and principal podiatrist at two different allied health centers in Victoria. And if that's not enough, she does a lot of development for sports podiatry, biomechanics, foot mobilization, and integrative nutrition, which, you know, I'm excited about. And here's the key. A while while back, she had to have open heart surgery from a condition called Marfan syndrome, which we'll talk about because most people don't really know what that is and what's the signs to spot those in your own patients. She went through that. Now she's here on the other side and is just killing it. So please welcome to the show, Dr. Christy Boles.
1: It is hard to pronounce that one, Boles. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. It's actually Egyptian background, the the surname. My husband's Egyptian. Ah, look at that. Mm. That's fun. Cultural diversity.
0: Yes. Beautiful babies, I'm guessing.
1: Oh, my goodness. I'm probably biased, (laughs) but yeah, they're lovely. I always wanted the beautiful olive skin, being someone who's quite pale,
0: so I got it in my beautiful children. You know, my wife's Chinese, and we got a mixed baby. It's as white as me. Oh, really? She really stands out in the local crowd. We're like, (laughs) what happened? You're supposed to have that beautiful skin, so you never have to go tan
1: when they're 12 (laughs) and 15. But they are amazing um, mixed children. I just think they're really so unique. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> We're sidetracking already.
1: I love it. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> we could chat about anything. So like I mentioned, we'll, we'll talk about all the podiatry stuff a little bit later. But because I know that the Morphin syndrome seemed to be like a catalyst for you to really branch out and to start having more of a focus on, you know, the, the integrative nutrition part of, of practice. So If you could, give us a little bit of background about, like, you know, why you became a podiatrist and then kind of what happened and what just leads up to today.
1: Yes, so I was one of those kids at school that I was on the – I was quite young in my year level, so I finished school at 17 and went straight into podiatry. It just sort of worked out beautifully. I always knew I wanted to be in healthcare but didn't know which one, and it just landed in my lap or at the right um, number for scoring. And went in and just, oh yeah, I just loved it. Um, just the diversity in our profession, how many different types of conditions we see, or age group. You know, we can be involved with injuries or general care or someone with diabetes or an elder, elderly person that just needs, you know, some support. And so when I got in my treatment room, I was a baby, I was 20. Oh man. And so, <laughs> I know, I was just, so I I always sort of said I did a lot of growing up in my treatment room because I would have elderly patients who had stories galore and experiences beyond anything I could imagine who just talked and I was always interested in people of all different backgrounds and experiences and so I listened. So I got to grow up in my podiatry room which was amazing because I just got so many worldly pieces of advice and, you know, I always had a bit of an old head but I always had a fascination with people. So communication is probably my favourite thing in the whole world So, and podiatry gave me that opportunity to help people's health but then communicate on that level and in that trusting environment where I can see things going on in my patient's life that then gives me valuable experience or helps me through something I'm going through. So when I became a business owner after, I think, a year of practicing, um, I was a partner in a business and it just, I just wanted to keep on expanding our services and what we're doing and what we offer and how many people we can help. You jumped in hit first. Yeah. So I just kept. Our feet first. I did. I just went for it. Um, but. My husband had had more business experience. I had an amazing support person alongside me all the way. And we grew really rapidly. We grew to nine podiatry locations over, it was about five or six years. So it was just, it just went quite berserk. And then we realised at that point, we don't have quite enough infrastructure and management structure to handle such a big operation and we didn't have the team in our management team around us at that time so we were working my husband then came into the business because we needed more yeah, support. At this point. and we were just in that we were go 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 running not looking after our bodies well enough and you know just keeping our sort of eyes on growth and helping more people and making more roles for practitioners well, and they say if you're
0: too, or too big, you could actually plummet. Yeah. Because you don't know what you're doing on the on the back end and everything just kind of crumbles down.
1: Exactly. And we don't have business training in our health degrees. No. So, of course, we're learning on the go. But then when you're so busy growing, you're actually not learning enough to catch up with the growth. So Right. Putting out fires. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We we're putting out fires. That's for sure. We just, at that time, we really didn't know what we didn't know. And we needed (laughs) to keep upskilling. But yeah, we were so busy. So of course, that led to, you know, the lessons were trying to come through to us of things need to shift or change. And we were in that forward momentum. So we didn't listen to those warning signs. Mm -hmm. So then in um, 2011, my aorta dissected. Uh, We didn't know I had any condition and i had a six centimeter aneurysm at the aortic valve and yeah that definitely gives you that um massive wake-up call to go what you were doing was not serving and not working and we need to do it right yeah so that was that was. you didn't see any of the telltale
0: signs growing up
1: yeah well i'm six foot two and taller than two elder brothers and taller than my dad, not by a, a whole lot, but. I'm just tall. We were always sort of joking. when Yeah, it was like, and long, like I've got really long hands and narrow wrists and a long neck. A double and jointed. I didn't match anyone. In my, yeah, long, like really flexible joints. And I didn't match anyone else in the family. Um, and we were sort of like, we were sort of joking around Um, as I would grow up, that there must have been a really tall milkman around. The milkman, (laughs) straight again. (laughs) Because, yeah, it was just an unusual um, body type. But, yeah, I mean, I played lots of sport and I was really active and had various symptoms, which now make sense. But I thought, I mean, when you don't know, you just think that's your body. You put up with aches and pains and migraines and headaches and some digestive stuff and you just go
0: well that was 10 or 20 years ago too i mean i don't know how old you are and you're like i'm thinking of a patient that i had and she she was like 15 and kind of of figured it out but this was before that so they weren't even probably on the radar that much to be looking for this thing when you were a kid
1: no it's not that common um i did have one doctor who must have known about it And he sent me off for an echocardiogram when I was quite young. I might have been like nine or or around that age. And they said I didn't have Marfan syndrome. So it did pop up once in my childhood. But because we got that, like, and it was a straight out, no, you do not have it, which, of course, I am a classic case now that I've been diagnosed so something went awry there um, in um, in that scan or in that um, recommendation afterwards.
0: Is it something that happens more when you like hit puberty where you figure out like the heart starts to get strained and they just wouldn't have seen it that early?
1: Yeah. So sometimes when you're a kid, you can see that um, the aorta is slightly dilated for that person's age comparing to other children. Um, so there's a, it's a little bit wider that um, aorta. But you know, mostly if you saw that someone had clinical signs and symptoms like really long hands and, you know, growing extra tall and, you know, you can have changes with your sternum, it can become concave or convex in different areas. Um, if you saw those, you would definitely be saying, let's just monitor you in two years and see what that aorta is doing. So, I mean, that comes, I guess, with a bit more awareness and experience. But mostly the major issues that come from Marfan syndrome is what happened to me, a dissected aorta, and then detached retina is the other um, issue, the other main issue. Because That's not fun. No. So those are the things that they've put some research money into. But there's so, because it is a syndrome and it's a chromosome um, issue, it can present in such a varied spectrum for so many people and it can be massive scoliosis. It can be glyphosis of the spine. You know, it can, you can have lung issues. You can have, you know, spinal issues, um, you know, many different things. So they, you know, just that testing at that ground level with GPs and um, other specialists to be able to be more aware of it would really help get onto it quite early because once we hit about 30 and all of our tissues become slightly more weakened just with age process that's when we generally see aortas dissect
0: plus all the stress and running nine clinics (laughs) didn't
1: help okay wow yeah and of course not looking after your body i know why it happened when i was 30 um yeah i was just under massive stress and strain and just pushing the body to its extreme and yeah. yeah the body will tell us when when we're not looking after it
0: wowzers okay so you recovered from that 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 must have taken a while and then come on what went now? Went, went
1: yes yeah, so the recovery was hard <laughs> i think because i'd been pushing for so long and put you know so many i'd had step. well it was seven months before they actually diagnosed the dissection so i went Seven months still working full time, still running everything, exhausted, feeling terrible. What? Before we actually went, I kept going back to the doctor and saying, you know, my migraines are just like horrendous like five days in a row migraines in bed, like couldn't get out of bed. The heart was just pumping. So hard and had grown in mass. So, in the end, what really got me over the line to get my diagnosis was the heart had grown so big that I could just have clothes on and I could see my heart, my clothes moving from my heartbeat. No way. Yeah, it was full on. Um, my doctor had tried to say, Oh, you're just thin through the chest. That's why. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, You're out of your chest. Like, you know, it's. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was pretty full on and, um I i mean, when I got that diagnosis, so I was just relieved. Like I was not fearful of, you know, death at that point. I was just like, thank goodness there is something wrong. I've known for so long and no one's believed me. Like my husband, of course, was supportive, but he's like, go back to the doctor, go back to the doctor. And I was just like, my goodness, I am going to get to have a rest. I don't have to run the businesses. I can lie in this hospital bed. I don't have to answer another email. And I'm like, thank goodness. Like, I, you know, that was a massive moment to just, yeah, understand what is going on and relieved that someone knew (laughs) what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, so the recovery afterwards, um, because I was so worn out, I had a lot of rebuilding to do of all my systems. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just the cardiovascular system. Um So I had to learn a lot about my body and I'd done, all my studies had been, you know, in Western medicine and my amazing specialists and um I had five specialists afterwards who, you know, looked after me and, you know, monitored what was going on. And they did, I mean, they saved my life. My surgeon and my specialists were amazing, but then I was still really unwell. Like my gut health was just shot. Yeah, the basic building blocks weren't there. They weren't there, and I just didn't get any support or help from any of my amazing specialists in that area. No, no referrals off. I did have my allied health clinic, so, of course, I started then going to see, you know, multiple different practitioners, and I ended up, the big transition was going to a naturopath, uh, which I'd never done before, and I didn't really know a lot about. So when I, once I got um, everything sorted and my, you know, my body back into gear, which took a long lot of rebuilding, then I started to see some other practitioners who were going to help me more with mindset and, you know, caring about the body. And, re- like, you've really got to recover from you thought you were healthy before, you know, doing things what you think is, you know, okay for a healthy body. You've got to transition totally into looking after a body with a chronic illness. Or chronic condition that is more sensitive and you're gonna to have to change a lot of habits which isn't easy when everyone around you is still doing what you used to do and you still had nine clinics at that point at that point but we we started to scale back gradually okay we we um we came to our senses and realized that health is the most important thing of and our family And we, I mean, I love healthcare and I love caring for other people's health, but I'm no good if I'm not healthy enough to do it.
0: Right. So, yeah. Did y'all sell off like the smaller clinics to the doctors working there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So real quick, clear up some words for the people who maybe don't know. Allied health is what in Australia?
1: Yeah. So allied health encompasses the... Still science based, evidence based Western medicine practice. Mm-hmm. Um we are, so we've got our specialists, our GPs, and then Allied Health is the support modalities to the GPs and specialists. So podiatry, osteopathy, chiropractor. Um we've got dietitian, uh dentals in there with Allied Health. Okay. Myotherapy. So it encompasses all those professions.
0: Okay. Mm. The the non M D doctors out there. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and we're covered by a body called APRA. All of these allied health professions.
0: And I, I should have remembered this from the last interview, but are y'all considered doctors in Australia? Or
1: yes, yeah, so our chiropractors and osteopaths use, as a whole profession, use the title doctor. Some podiatrists do. Okay, I just want to make sure to get you in trouble if I put put that on there, and they're like, uh uh-uh. uh. Australia's no, no, got some pretty it, strict rules. It is, it is allowed um okay. to use the title like as a courtesy title doctor in like.
0: It did real quick this is a long long time ago you go from high school you don't have to go to like undergrad first you can just go straight into podiatry? Yes, yeah.
1: yeah, so we go from secondary school. Usually most people are, you know, 18 or nearly 18 when you finish year 12 in Australia. And then yes, you can go straight into you know, a degree
0: yeah. That's pretty nice, I think. I mean, somebody would disagree with me on that one, but that's Doesn't pretty wild well to have to be that focused at such a young age too.
1: I, I haven't known it any other way. Like I know in in America you do go to college yeah. Um, before you, ch- you necessarily major or specialize. I think that, um, you know, having a transition point for the kids to do some general things and figure out who they are and, you know, what's going on in their world and travel a little bit before you choose. I think I could imagine that would be more beneficial. So many kids at 18, 17, 18 don't know. And then they feel a bit lost. This puts into perspective some of the other interviews I've had where so I was talking about, you know, I was
0: 18, I don't really know what I want to do. And I was kind of like, it just kind of blew by. And I was like, well, well, yeah, but you got a couple years to sort of figure it out. Like I thought I was going to be an eye doctor. And then I was like, no, I'm going to do chiropractic instead. Yes. And it's like, no, at 18, the, you're kind of locking yourself in, especially if you didn't study hard or, mm-hmm. you know, you have to really know at like 16 and 15, this is what I want to do with my life. Otherwise, like you said, you don't pass this test. You don't pass this test. I yeah. guess you have to repeat a year okay. and do better. And I <laughs> can Otherwise imagine you can't get in. kids
1: who didn't study quite so hard in there, you know, from 15, 16, 17, would, if they didn't get the marks, they you know, they would feel that, oh, maybe it's not for me, but they yeah. just haven't you know, grown up enough and got enough perspective, which is fine. Everyone does it at a different time before they actually figure it out. And given that space, I think it would be great. We'd get more more children doing what or adults doing what they're meant to do.
0: Yeah, no kidding. These old people are like 20 years old, but everybody knows you're a whippersnapper at 20. So that, that makes <laughs> more sense. Like here, if you're 24 coming out of school, they're like, yeah, I don't know. I'll come back in a couple of years after you know what you're doing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but imagine, like, I was practicing as a podiatrist at 20. That's awesome. But, I mean, I've always had an old head. Yeah. But so, you know, that's different for everybody. And I'd say, you know, I was in the minority in, you know, loving to hear about people and loving to learn. Some people just want to just figure out who they are first. And I really. That
0: means at 22, you went in and just like, yeah, I want to do this thing. I'm going to be a business owner. I think I was 24. yeah. Six. So that's a big, that's a big jump. That's a lot of, you know, five years is a lot to own your own medical clinic and, or, you know, podiatry clinic, whatever, and then start expanding. Yeah. So, all right. So when did you become excited about the sports podiatry and the biomechanics? Like, what is your passion with that? And are you teaching it? You just learned about it? Like, how does that look in in the real world? Yeah.
1: So in podiatry, um, we do, in, in the Australian studies of podiatry, we do quite a lot of biomechanics. And we've got some really good leaders in the field of sports, you know, podiatry and biomechanics in Australia. So I thought like our undergraduate training was excellent. Then we were, we were missing in our profession um, some more of the manual skills to actually help people gradually progress through their injury and then the, also the rehabilitation side. We had people coming in for injuries, but we didn't have so many manual and other skills to help with pain levels oh. um, and help people recover in that way. So we also, we just had a bit of a gap, and we would refer off and work, you know, in an allied health team, and that's why I, produ- I ended up creating allied health clinics because we were in podiatry. I recognised we were lacking some of those skills, so we needed to work closely with other practitioners to get the best result for our patients. So I was always on the hunt for more knowledge and more skills, you know. So your clinics had more than just podiatry. So after a number of years, we transformed into an allied health model. So we brought in oh. specialty footwear and the osteopathy and um, dietetics and um, naturopathy as well. And yes. I like that. Refer inside. Yes. Well, once people come to a practice and you know, get introduced to all the team if they don't have to go out and ring someone else and meet another clinic and go in there and have it all over again. So, yeah, so that was always my vision to have um, the allied health model working, you know, really well and integrating and just getting that overall health perspective for that patient. Because we, knew, I knew just down at the feet, you know, the patients were all expressing and telling me they had back pain and they, or they had headaches or, you know, their digestion wasn't good or like, and they'd express like podiatry is like hairdressing a little bit. Okay, We get, we get the whole story, which is of course what I loved about what we did. Um, So we get this whole perspective on someone's health, but we only had skills to do what we could do at that
0: time. So and if your feet are bad, you can't do all these things that you want to do. Yeah. Either.
1: We had people with weight gain who, you know, and depression, and they weren't able to exercise because they had foot pain, so we would help with the foot pain. But if they didn't start shifting their their gut health and the balance of their body and help their back, then they weren't going to be able to have the motivation to get well again, to exercise, to eat well. So there was just so much more going on in our patients' bodies and from very early on I was like, we need to do more to actually prevent conditions occurring rather than just fixing the ulcer on the the patient with diabetes foot Ooh, and could y'all deal with
0: l- lack of blood flow there every condition uh, what's the first thing mm. that goes these little appendages yeah. and then you got lots of ligaments lots of tendons they don't get a lot of blood flow so you really have to support mm. that tissue as best you can yeah. it makes sense to me like in a nutrition aspect to, to at least address it's it it's
1: just huge and I was, you know, I was great at communicating about, you know, bringing together all the systems of the body and talking to my patients and letting them express what was going on. But I recognised that a lot of my team weren't having these conversations because it wasn't their passion. So when I got back from recovering from all of my condition, I realised that looking after a body takes that, um, you know, broader spectrum of care and looking after the basics in health which was the most important thing in my recovery. And I was like, how do I move that into allied health and then, you know, move it into also GP clinics and specialist office because that's where I was lacking it. So I was like, well, I've got to stay in a scope of practice like, I've got to. We can't be practicing outside of our scope or in another modality. We're governed by, you know, a professional body that keeps us practicing in our scope, which I totally respect. But I was like, well, if I can screen my patients in the way I have these conversations and just let them express what's going on in their body, they're more aware straight away. As soon as they start reflecting, Like, and I ask a simple question like, you know, how is your hydration levels? Are you drinking enough water? Without telling them Mm -hmm. what to do, they say, oh, not really. They know where they're at. They'll say, yeah, I'm drinking five cups of coffee, you know, not drinking much water, you know, and I do, I get a dry mouth, not feeling that energetic. And I'll say to them, without me prescribing, I'll say to them, well, is there a way you could do that better? Like. have you been Mm -hmm. more hydrated in the past and they'll say yeah I used to drink you know more water in the morning or more water at work and and I'll say okay great that's excellent and then what's amazing they'll come back and just with that simple discussion and reflection each time they come in they'll come back in and say oh I'm now drinking you know six cups of water and I've cut my coffee to two without me actually even telling them what to do and they feel better (laughs) Yeah, and they, start, and they start to feel better and they're empowered with that, um, you know, that they've made that decision themselves and they're working on their own health and well-being without being told like a child or, you know, instructed, do this. They actually understand they didn't feel as good. This is what they were doing. This is what they've done better in the past or this is what I could do. <laughs> yeah, so um, I st- I then I'd been designing some programs for my podiatry team um, in sports podiatry and some of the common conditions. And I was like, there's something missing in this program. And then a light bulb went on one day and I'm like, it is the whole body health stuff that I do in my room that I haven't put out there to anyone else. So I was like, how do I make this safe for us to use in allied health without practicing outside of that scope? And how do I empower those patients to make some decisions for themselves rather than us just telling them, which we know, like if you say drink more water or eat this, you know, until they know and start to make the decision to do it themselves, it's not going to be sustainable. So, yeah, so Allied Wellness um, came about by um, a program that I created in my My Fit Feet heel Pain Program um, called Fundamentals of Healing. So I was like, what are the like the key things that has helped my recovery, and what are the things I'm always having conversations with with my patients? So the, those five things: hydration, diet and nutrition, sleep, stress management, and movement. Okay, nothing, nothing crazy. So those were the things. Yeah, it's all basic stuff, and I'm like, it's all got evidence to support it. No one in any um, health profession anywhere can deny that these things help health so how do we get more awareness and education out to our patients and how do I get more practitioners who aren't having any of these conversations at the moment how do I get them starting to have these conversations so their patients are aware that their respected doctor or chiropractor or podiatrist you know, is supporting that this is important for them to look up. So yeah, so that's how it all came about. Did it become a like a questionnaire?
0: Or is it part of like a questionnaire when they fill out their new patient paperwork? And now you got a nice baseline to actually have that conversation later? Or like how'd y'all figure it out?
1: That's exactly how it starts. Yeah. So well done. That is so cool that you got that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know how else you do it. I mean, yeah. So it starts with a screening tool and it's just, you know four or five questions under each of those areas that are the most important ones to um, for that patient to be more aware. And, you know, I had a patient a few weeks ago. It was so funny. He, I thought when he came in he hadn't filled out his Fundamentals of Healing screening before the initial consult, but my efficient reception team member had scanned it in already and hadn't given me the hard copy. And so I'm like taking my normal history of medical conditions and um, medications and what's their injury history, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden he said to me, so I know I'm drinking too much soft drink at work. He's He's a police officer. And he said, it's really easily accessible in our office. And he goes, you know, I'm even taking a soft drink back to the desk you know, I feel really dehydrated. And then, you know, my wife and I haven't been eating enough vegetables because she's, you know, been working a lot and we haven't been doing any food prep and da, da da And then he said, and my stress levels with looking after my child and running them around. And he did a summary of his fundamentals of healing or fundamentals of health, we can call it. And I just like, oh, my God, I'm attracting that he wants to tell me this without me even. He hasn't even done the screening. But, of course, he'd done the screening out the front. Yeah. He had already made some decisions where he was at. What he could do better, and he's already starting to put some plans in place of how he could, you know, what he could change at home. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the most exciting thing! <laughs> like I was just inside, I'm really jumping up and down and doing fist pumps, but I'm sort of staying nice and subdued. Okay, yep, great, that's Good. fantastic. I'll write that <laughs> well, down. We'll check in two weeks. How are you
0: doing? <laughs> yeah.
1: And so then they come back and all I do is a quick, like, we've got other tools. So we've got a, a simple diary that they might fill out if they're really unaware of where they're at. We've got an evidence-based patient booklet on all the five fundamentals, just giving them some really simple knowledge on how it actually affects their immune system and their healing ability and their overall health, these basic things, and a bit about and drawing on the evidence so, you know, they know there's a lot of substance to it. Um, so yeah there's lots involved but it's a very simple program it is really and many people know what they need to do yeah yeah
0: like, i know i'm not supposed to go home and eat a pint of ice cream <laughs> yes i know i'm not supposed to do that but here
1: i am yeah.
0: every night yeah. watching tv eating ice cream and yeah wondering why i'm fatter and yeah borderline and diabetic that, or i whatever. mean particularly
1: sugar it is the most addictive substance on the planet and people just go day after day, oh, and they wake up in the morning, oh, I'm not going to have that ice cream again tonight. And then they're right back there doing it again. So, I mean, we know that it starts with someone holding the line for them and checking in. They're paying to come to medical practitioners. You know, if their trusted medical practitioner checks in with them on these five areas, whenever they come in, they know they're going to be checked in on. So automatically humans like to improve when they know they're going to, you know, be evaluated. So that can give them a little bit of motivation and then the very gradual trickle of some education. So we've got some um, videos that will be coming as well so people who, you know, may read the brochure want a little bit more. So it just starts very, very slowly and gradually. And we know once people have some knowledge, some awareness, and they know that they're supported, that's supported by their practitioner, they're more likely to go, okay, well, what could I do? I've been given a few ideas in the brochure. I could do that. And then they start, they start making some little changes and get some confidence around that.
0: Are you, do you have like an email drip campaign to help educate them
1: as they go? So that's coming because we, we're just about to launch the basic program on our new website, um, which will launch sort of in mid to late April. Um, and then we're building a big resource library for practitioners to be really looking at the evidence around these, um, five areas and how they affect chronic disease and illness. So that's that, that like is underpinning my drive, knowing that I have a chronic condition and I, was living, you know, very unwell for three or four years and had to rehabilitate my body. And I'm now at this stage where I've got, you know, I've got energy again. I still have, you know, lot, you know my condition to deal with, but the more I focus on my general health, the better I am, the more I can function. So I want to really um, go up against, the, you know, the big four major chronic diseases, heart disease, cancer, um yeah dementia is another big one you know and alzheimer's which is affecting our family at the moment Mm. um and diabetes they're my four that i mean we know that there's such amazing treatments to help those you know those conditions but we want to go to um, preventative care like there's research out there on some lifestyle factors which is included in my program that, I mean, we can be reducing those big four um, chronic diseases by 70 to 80% by yeah. looking after these lifestyle factors. Can you imagine, like, you know, 70 to 80% of our population not having to be sick and unwell for their last 20 years of their life? Like, it would just be phenomenal. It would be. What's the webpage? So, our website's www.alliedwellness.com.au.
0: Okay, good, because this won't come out until May, so it'll be live.
1: Excellent. Yes. Now it's
0: funny. We're not technically a live show.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs>
0: um, this is pretty cool. I love how you're pre-framing the clients to have these conversations, making them aware of it. And I think, like you said, we're generally aware of it anyway. It's just needing we someone are. to check in on us, make sure we're doing it okay. And that's why I think there's so many programs out there that are successful. You know, there's lots and lots of health programs out there. You know, the gyms can be successful when you have like a coach or if you join a group, you're more yeah. likely to 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 do it together. I guess two questions. One, are you doing marketing and, and how does that work for for that many clinics and everything? And then two, there is a way to monetize, I'm assuming, all of the all these conversations in the office with the fundamentals of health?
1: Yes. Yeah, so with in the clinics, so with marketing first. Um, we've because we're in an interesting transition at the moment so we when we first started business we had the old-school marketing techniques which at that time we (laughs) didn't know they were old school so print media mail drops you know yes we had a website but it wasn't you know accessed as much we had so many of our podiatry patients were elderly so they weren't getting on the website so Mail worked well. Yeah, so we had all that old-school marketing. And then um, so we grew really quickly, and that was still all used, all of that stuff. And then once, like before I got sick, um, it was transitioning really heavily to online marketing. Mm -hmm. And we had to get over a massive illness and go into survival mode for a while in our practices. So we've had to kind of rebuild our structure of our businesses again and get that infrastructure right, which is what we've been doing over a number of years. And then now we're probably still quite infant like infants in the online marketing and that's where we're now. When you don't know something well enough, now we're working with a group called Practice Acceleration, a fellow called Tristan Bond who's a physiotherapist who does a lot of um, online marketing and works just with allied health clinics. So that's probably something that um, has really, you know, making sure you do go and get, you know, education in the areas where you know, you know, aren't your strengths at that stage. So that's um big learning curve. Um, I'm learning, still learning all about the different social channels and wanting to improve our social media. Marketing and our connection with people. So they really know our true values in our practice. So yeah, and then um, Fundamentals of healing in our practice Uh, Because I of course live and breathe and talk about this stuff all of the time You know, I don't think any of my team are surprised that we're doing more work in this area But it's it's a new concept for a lot of our different modalities to be having these conversations so I think because it's all backed up by evidence and we've we've introduced it in a nice sort of slow, gradual way, everyone's able to, they're starting to say to me, wow, well, my patients are, you know, really happy that I'm having those conversations and feel like they're really listened to and cared for. So that connection that, you know, I've always loved in my profession and, and had a skill for, You know, I realise that some practitioners, you know, don't make that connection quite so well. So it's given them an opportunity to connect with their patients and um, improve their retention of their patients through that patient, feeling that care and improving their overall health, feeling those results, and then, you know, of course, going out and sharing you know, my, you know, I've never had a practitioner ask me these questions. I started to actually make some changes and then they send friends and family because, yeah, for years I couldn't work out. You know, I was thinking what's my difference like in my treatment room and I kept going to, and doing more courses and learning more skills and, you know, the, the skill I had was right under my nose from when I was 20 and it was <laughs> yeah. listening and hearing people and then being interested in, you know, asking some more questions about what's really going on for them. And, you know, that, that on its own is probably the you know, best skill as a healthcare practitioner we can have and, and grow and learn. Well,
0: I applaud that because some people would never have made the connection or they're like, well, that's not my realm. I'm a I'm a foot person. Yeah. I stay below the knee. That's it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not qualified or I just <laughs> don't feel comfortable. And it's amazing just patients just want to get better. Yeah. So if you're capable of helping them, that's that's the big thing. And like and I know I don't know if it's because of it's Australia or not. But I know if you put something on the website, like for the chiropractic people I've interviewed there, you better have some papers to back it up. Because if you make some kind of unsubstantiated claim, you need to get fined or lose your license. Yeah. I like guess it's a big deal there. So I think that's why you keep, I don't know, that might be why you keep mentioning these things are research-backed. It's not just flavor of the month. We have very
1: careful in Australia um, that we are making sure we're not practicing outside of our scope of practice, mm. which, you know I, I you know, I totally appreciate. Um, But, of course, if we've got a patient in our room who has diabetes and doesn't have circulation down to their feet, uh, and they're going away, you know, and eating really badly and it's got high levels of stress and, you know, is very dehydrated, no matter how well, how good our skills are in podiatry, if they're not looking after all of that stuff or not going to see someone who helps them in that area and I'm not able to get them, you know, with a good referral to go, then, you know, we're going to have massive problems in our treatment no matter how well we're trained how well we communicate that podiatry treatment, we're not going to get the result for that patient and they're not going to either survive or have a good quality of life. So my intention with the, the tool is if that patient's more aware and they start to see where they've got issues, we're also able to refer off much more strongly to a dietitian mm-hmm. or know, to someone for some, you know, support in mental health. But when you just say, you know, this is going on, I'd like you to go see someone, that doesn't have as much substance as when that patient actually realizes, oh, I'm not doing so well in this area, I do, really do need to go see that dietician.
0: I've already been to the GP, he told me stop eating sugar, he gave me a medicine, I I see the podiatrist, they say the same thing. I go to you, now I'm actually getting a, oh, this is what it means. Here's some counseling, uh, you know, within scope. And and I don't really want a yellow bag with my toes in it, you know. Yes. I don't want that.
1: Yeah. And they're fearful and don't know where to start a lot of the time. And they're like, they've got information coming on all these areas from so many different sources. They've tried a few things, but they actually do need someone with, you know, medical knowledge to... Communicate it in an easy to understand way of why it is so important and what the effect it's going to have. We're not saying get off your
0: medicine. We're just saying yeah. let's adjust your diet and exercise and all this. If you happen to have to back, like, oh, I don't feel so great, then you can go back to GP. Oh, looks like your blood pressure, your blood sugar is great. We need yeah. to half your medicine.
1: Well, fantastic. Yeah, I can't tell you to do that, but I can support you. That's so true. in your journey. I mean, it doesn't replace any of the the treatment regimes people are on. It's pretty much working in really well with um, other practitioners. Uh, but, of course, you know, it's it's the basics of health and it's the big one that people are ignoring because it is, you know, related to people's habits and their addictions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... It is really hard to overcome it. So it does need regular support over a long period of time to make sustainable changes. And that's where we need all of our health professions in every area to be singing a similar song on these basic things. Because if they hear, Oh, I'll just take, just take that medication. There's nothing else you can do. Then why would they stop eating the ice cream at night? Yeah, I just take a little more. Their GPs told them they don't need to do anything else. So we really need to be all talking in this this realm and supporting those patients that, you know, this is going to lead to this. We can actually prevent things from occurring for you. So, yeah, it's a big one. And it's a very, um, (laughs) I'm undergoing a really tough mission. I realise that. But I think it only starts with small change in some of our professions, and then, you know, it can grow from there.
0: So I always say it's small steps and, you know, you're doing the right thing. Do you do video at all, like Facebook Lives or any of that stuff yet?
1: Um, I'm starting to, yes. It's, um, it definitely pushes me outside of my comfort zone. So I want to, I mean, I want to get the word out any way possible. So I've often been a little bit shy in my treatment room, helping one-on-one patients. And, you know, so I need to really, you know, branch out a little bit more. Um, So, yes, I'm starting to do some presentations and present at some, you know, conferences and different things like that, which will be wonderful. And then, yeah, more online stuff. That's um, exactly what we're focusing on in the next 12 months to really launch this bigger.
0: Do you know who David James is, the podiatrist in the UK?
1: No, I don't.
0: Well, he's on the episode like two before you. Oh yeah, self plug. No, but he <laughs> his niche and kind of what I got him on for was he is a video guy. He's been doing it for a while, and he's uh he mentors other podiatrists to like how to do video oh, and great. to get over it and just do it, which is interesting. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting. You know, it's fresh on my mind. Video is a big thing.
1: That would be great because I mean we've all got things we need to improve on. That's for sure. Ladies have a harder time, I think,
0: just jumping in. Like if I'm ugly, I'm just ugly. But for a woman, there's things you can do about it. You know, you put makeup on, and they they kind of fretting about their hair, and they, they have a lot of like exterior stuff that, unfortunately, the double standard that y'all have to think about more than we do. Yeah, and it stops a lot of people. Mm. So,
1: well, I'm I know um, you know this message has to get out there. It's gonna. <laughs> I mean, I can't I can't be worried about what I look like on video and not be helping people. You know, save their lives and have a great life. So. Um, yeah I've got bigger things to do so yes I'm going to get very comfortable I will say it here I'm doing yeah a lot more video and connection with people there we go yeah well we're going to switch gears I
0: want to respect your time thank you vacation the family life balance that's where we're going to jump into right now my favorite topic oh good so obviously your health took a dive yes from being overworked Hopefully we've learned some lessons. How are we able to take a step back, be less stressed, or maybe, you know, take real vacations or just find a way to scale back our stress level? What you got for us?
1: Yeah, moving towards balance is a concept that I use a lot in my life. So when I'm um, supporting my patients and then living my own life, I, I look at making a decision about doing something or adding something to my calendar. And I definitely haven't mastered this yet. It's a work in progress. And I look at it and go, is this going to take me towards better health and energy or is this going to take me away from it and towards stress and overwhelm or, you know, um, depletion? So I'm, I'm making much better decisions and I'm learning, you learn to say no to things. Uh, which can go out of whack sometimes. Like sometimes you get excited and you've got energy and you're feeling well because you've nurtured your body really well and haven't done too much. And then you, because you've got that energy, you start saying yes again and you say yes to a little bit too much. So learning what to say yes to and what to say no to. And when your body is telling, like when my body tells me you're not feeling well or you're starting to get, you know, aches and pains, I know my tummy isn't feeling good then I need to back off and slow down and have time um, to rest and recover and do a lot of my health practices. So I have every Wednesday, which is today, I do not leave the house. Ah. So I, yeah, I love being at home. So I work from home on a Wednesday so I don't set up any trainings, any meetings, you know, external. So I'm able to stay in my own space. You know, I've got my essential oils burning. I've got my yoga mat down there, so I do some stretching. I've got two amazing dogs who are a massive dog lover. So I walk my dogs and I don't aim to strain my body on that day. So if I'm exercising, it, you know, a walk and I'm acknowledging like this morning I saw the most amazing sunrise and got um, this gorgeous crescent moon this morning with this bright star just diagonally above it and I do a lot of breathing work as I'm walking and just that calms my central nervous system so I've pretty much I've had to acquire a lot of tools over the time to go well this is how I move closer to balance when I start to overexert in my work life or my business um, and yeah so I recruit those tools and then Getting the family to, you know, because they haven't been through all the stuff I've been through. So being a little bit more easygoing with I'm going to have to be quite sort of strict at different times for my health. But my family have to, you know, learn their own lessons as well. Right. So we're going to have lots of healthy food around but I need to be a bit flexible. So that's been challenging sometimes early on when I was like yeah. yeah,
0: this. Kids want pizza and chicken nuggets. Like, yeah,
1: no chocolate, no dinner. And I was like, and they felt a bit deprived and I had to loosen up on some of those things and make sure that they were experiencing different things so they could learn their own way what feels good for their body and what doesn't. Trying to be a really good communicator in my home like I love to do in my practice and having more patience that they're on their journey and they can um, do some different things to me because that's the only way they will grow and learn as well well and as their mom you don't know what you're talking about oh i've got a 16 year old boy oh. no he <laughs> he knows exactly what he needs i'm now. gonna eat four and chickens
0: every- today i don't want to hear about it <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> My goodness, well, I love that answer because a lot of people have a similar answer, but the way you tweaked it was the was the balance part and the does this provide healthy stress versus negative stress that's a uh, that's a different view that we've we haven't really had too often in the show, so that's awesome. You're married, mixed babies early on in the show remember that that's awesome,
1: <laughs> yeah so how do you
0: how do you keep the love alive because they say sometimes a health condition can drive somebody away. Different businesses. There's a lot of markers in there that could, that could creep up oh. on you. So, how do y'all keep the love alive and stay happy?
1: I think very, very blessed that we we've got a really strong what I call family love between us in our in my marriage. So very early on, we sort of you know we we got that that strength to our relationship before we loaded ourselves up too much and then we had the massive health crisis uh, because it's put us under a lot of strain. And, you know, I've pretty much transformed, you know, my way of thinking and grown in a lot of ways as my husband has. And at times one starts to move in a slightly different direction and then you need to recalibrate when that stress and strain is placed on and you, you feel a bit disconnected. So, yeah, there's been some real challenges in relationship, but we basically wanted to both really be here. And we, you know, and we, that depth of love was there, thank goodness. Cause, you know, at times, you know, there's so much stress and emotion going on when you're um, going through all these things. And my husband had to take over running the business um, on his own and he wasn't a health practitioner he had to do that as well as look after the house and the kids and yourself cuz yeah, you're not
0: where you need to be at what am I you know i can't do what i need to do as a as a wife or whatever it's like that role probably was diminished as well when you're trying to like just recover
1: oh i think it's nearly i mean going through what i did i I constantly was um, you know also very aware that my husband was going through much much worse things than me because he couldn't help me like I had to do the work for myself and he wanted to you know save me and protect me and get me well but he's in this position where he's just all he can do is look after everything me and everything else as well as he can so um, yeah we've um, we've grown a lot as a couple um, but we've had to do, um, yeah, a lot of personal development work. Um, that's been probably really fundamental for me and learning a lot about emotions and how we hold on to things and how um, how we actually. Everybody should be going through that, by the everyone way. Everyone should. It's just essential for development for any human being. So he's been the same. So m- probably more recently he's gone through more professional development sort of work. And it's really, you know, the gap gets closed between you through communication, patience, understanding that, you know, no matter what, we're all going to make mistakes and learn from them and there's no such thing as, um, you know, carrying someone else through something. Each person has to carry themselves. Um, But then you've got the loving support of that other person, which is amazing and giving you strength. So now it's making sure we really value the time at home and value the time talking to the kids and setting some time aside for just us as a couple um, and just you know really talking it's that's probably you know one of the tougher areas because it's the most important thing in your world your partner and your children but at times with business and you can put so much energy into that thinking that's helping them. But actually, when you put your energy into your partner and your children first, yourself and then your partner and children, um, then the other stuff starts to get more momentum and you actually make such better decisions in your business life.
0: Well, wrapping this up, what about any favorite books, blogs, podcasts, anything else that you think that uh, the audience could benefit from? And it's could be fun to... Real medical, it's just up to you.
1: Mm. One of the books that really, it's just a short book um, that I use as a little tool, which is really interesting, and I was shocked that I got so much from it and loved it, was um, What I Know For Sure by Oprah Winfrey. Oh. I know. It's such an unusual book, but it really helped me at a time where, I mean, being someone who had always been quite tough on myself and a high achiever, I, You know, the, the basic was not really I was trying to please everybody else for so many years and not having enough um, self-assurance that I am enough. And, you know, we know it's quite famous that Oprah has felt that way and I was shocked that a lady, one of my patients actually gifted me the book and um, I read it and there was just so much truth in it. It wasn't all blown up and like we could see sometimes, you know, the TV her, her TV show it's It's got a lot of frills around it. It was just very, very open and honest of what can go on in someone's sort of mind and how she sort of overcome it. So that's been just like one of my little ones that I go back to every now and again and I just open a page like and whatever's on that page will be will be relevant to what I'm going through at that time or a little message I needed to help me inspire yeah. day. So that's been a really cool one.
0: Well, you know, Oprah's show used to be like those trash shows. Yeah. Are you the daddy? Yeah. Oh, you're you not. Talking? Like, that's what our show used to be. And then she turned it around to what it is
1: today. Yeah, which is phenomenal. I think she, she just got really real. And I think she interviewed so many people and thought, well, I'm not really talking about the real human stuff, which we know doesn't get talked about enough. Right. There's so many similarities to the base of people's fear and what's holding them back. Um, we just need to all be really honest about it that we all go through it
0: oh any other book i kind of cut you mid-thought on that one
1: probably like i'm because health and well-being is my absolute passion i've done so many amazing courses i'm doing still i'm just about to complete my integrated nutrition health coaching course with iin they're an american group and yeah the that has been phenomenal they've brought together so many you know doctors and specialists and and people into that course to give a more open perspective on health and well-being there is a lot of nutrition but it's not one nutritional theory so i love that they're able to more impartially give people general knowledge and then um, they believe in bioindividuality which is getting that individual person to do what's right for their body which is a strong belief of mine not just go on you know vegan or paleo or you know different yeah. different people need different things and we have to let them figure it out
0: with the support well that's what like what you said too earlier was you can't be a vegan on your kids yeah kids need that variety they need the meat and all that kind of stuff and eventually they can become vegan yeah, but if that's you know right. you can't a baby a baby vegan is not a good idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> two
0: year old you know it's not a good idea. Yeah, and what is your uh, website? One more time, what, so more information: www.alliedwellness.com.au dot dot com dot au dot au. Okay. Well, this has been eye-opening for me, hopefully inspiring for many people. And you know, we all have our own burdens to bear and overcoming it and still can be successful in all kinds of areas of life. So uh, Dr. Chrissy, that was amazing. And I really appreciate your time.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure like talking to you. I'm not. Um, I've only done two podcasts ever before. So I always get a bit nervous, but it's nice to talk to someone who's really interested in health and wants, you know, has that zest for learning more, which is cool. So thank you for having me. No problem.
0: Another great interview has ended. As I always say, I hope you listened, critically think and implement something so that your practice life, family life can improve this week want to hit you up with a few links today if you'd like to know what the top episodes of 2018 and 2017 were you can just go to net slash top 1718 and you can get a pdf of all those episodes it's like 22 of them if you're interested on any of the programs that i've actually been interviewed on just go to dot net slash as heard on so play on as, as seen on you know so as heard on if you didn't know, the Needless Acupuncture book sales page has been revamped, so it looks a lot better. You know, sometimes when you look at a web page and it doesn't look like it's put together well, you're like, meh, I'm not sure about this thing. But it's been redone. looks better. And also, if you have an Android device and you're curious about it, you can actually now download the same five protocols, blueprints, if you will, right there on your phone at the Needless Acupuncture app. And for less than $4, you can get the whole book on your phone from the Android Google Play store. So if you're interested, check that out. The electric acupuncture pin is still available at a great rate. You can get it on its own or as a package. So you can get the book, the e-pin, as well as the auricular points. Now, some of the things that I'm recommending, Blueberry Hosting, that's who I use. I really like them a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. Fiverr is where I get a lot of my music done. My logos. I don't know if you noticed on Facebook, I believe my picture is now a face with a bunch of words. I just saw that real quick. It was cheap. Said, yeah, why not? I'll try that for a little while. It's fun. A turtle pillow. It's a travel pillow. It actually has like an H beam in it. So you can rest your neck and your chin on that. So you don't get like the chicken bob where you, you know, you're sleeping and well you wake up really fast. And you know, those those u shaped ones, I just don't think they work very well. So for me, it's worked really well. I've traveled I don't know, ten different countries with it. Across the pond, as they say. I really highly recommend that. If you're into instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation two options you got hawk grips so .net slash hawk grips and also .net slash edge you can get tools there as well but they also have way more than just tools they've got how to get to use google apps as your emr uh, blood flow restriction cuffs there's a lot of research on that device and you can check that episode from the past and you can get an automatic 10 percent discount on all the products from the edge mobility equipment Uh, one of the devices i use to to send out snippets of the podcast via picture and uh, quotes from the text that I write from the show notes is Missing Letter. They just took out the last E in letter.com. Pretty much, you know, you can do a blast in, in two months and you know, like five emails over two months. I like to do nine emails over 12 months. So that person who was interviewed last month doesn't just get lost, right? You know, so every day I have a new episode at a highlight and it's all automated. It's really cool. Definitely check it out. Uh, if you need to record your screen, I like screencast Omatic. Also, JLab Audio Speakers, I've said it before, I love them, uh, it's a great company, and now I get to actually be an affiliate for them. So if you end up buying any of their products, just like any these, I get a little piece, I uh, probably have like three or four different products, I mean, they just, the battery life are longer, sounds, quality is amazing, uh, and for the price it came, love it a bunch. And of course, in the show notes, anytime you see a book, link, you buy it, it comes to me, and .net slash t-shirts will help us out. And lastly, again, something I don't talk about too much, but if you need coaching, whether it's via the Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health, you need some help with taking those small steps and accountability so that you can actually lose the weight or start exercising more or get your budget in order, just let me know. I can help with that. Also, if you just need some minor marketing coaching or things like that, I can help you out with that as well. Just go to .NET slash support. And, of course, on there, you can also buy the a Cup of Coffee or uh, even more than that. There's different options available. So. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next week or on the Minnesota. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guests. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trostclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.